this conversation. Always stay gracious. Best revenge is your paper. Tell about a story. Since we all have stories. I'm back for another What's Your Story episode. This one is special because I'm in person. Now, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about nice yourself? to meet you. Now, introduce yourself. Now, we are meeting now. I know this is a little different for people, but he is local, thank gosh. Okay. <laughs> but you have an interesting story. So, tell us about yourself before we go ahead and dive in and get to know you better. Uh, well, my name is Adrian Whiteside. I'm the owner of a nonprofit organization called Rugged Pass Versus Future. And I also own a trucking company called RPRF Logistics as well. Mm. Now, thinking back to when you was a little kid, right? We all have like things where we feel like, okay, when I grow up, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Now that I'm an adult and I have a child, I'm like, no way I could do it. What did you see yourself doing? <laughs> well, I was an athlete. You know, I played football. So, oh. yeah, I was always playing sports and everything. So, I think every athlete, you know, they, they're going to play pro. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? That's the goal, especially if you're taking it serious. Uh, and if it wasn't going to be football, it was going to be something in that field, maybe a PE teacher or a coach or like a oh. agent or something like that. Leadership. Something Leadership. Like, okay, yeah, that explains, yeah. you know, your background and what you do now. Now, how did your family take you wanting to do sports? Because I feel like in the South, whenever, like, especially us as black people, they always either want us women to be nurses or they want the men to play sports. Yeah. Were they down for you playing sports and going to college for it, or did they want you to go be a doctor or a lawyer? I think that's all we know in our communities, mm -hmm. for the most part. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the sports we think we can grasp, especially, especially if, you know what I'm saying, you're good at it, that's what your parents like, well, hey, that's your ticket, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, to get mm -hmm. up out of it. So, when growing up where I grew up at, you know, being good at sports, I think they kind of pushed me more towards that to keep me from industry mm -hmm. and keep me busy. And where you grew up at? Uh, Greer, South Carolina. A small city right between Greenville and Spartanburg, South Carolina. Oh, so you was in one of them little, little small, because I'm from Augusta, so I know we go to South Carolina, mm -hmm. those small cities, and pick out, you know, go to like, get fruit, like plums <laughs> yeah, and yeah. oranges, because you know, South Carolina yeah, has, peach <laughs> yeah, we go yeah. to, they had a little peach festivals, little mm -hmm. strawberry festivals, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that, so that's what normally we do in the South. Now, I know, like, you are a businessman now and a CEO. Like, how did you even start your business? Uh, well, it was interesting. I, I think I probably got the spirit from my grandparents because, you know, they he was an entrepreneur as well. You know, he kind of owned his own little... Uh, we call it liquor houses. He called it cafe. Y'all had a liquor house. What? Didn't we have a liquor house? My grandma house? had me serving um, dollar shots. Listen, man, we was. Yo, we also we all done lived the same life. Fish sandwiches and hot yes. dogs, and you know what I'm saying. He had you know, he was selling beer and everything. He had a little pool table mm -hmm. in the back. You know what I'm saying? Little tables and a jukebox. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And he did it for years, years. You know what I'm saying? So that was income that he had coming in. You know, what I'm selling right. alcohol, and that was just like big in our community. Dang, you know what? That's so interesting because I think a lot of people up north, they don't really have the experience, and on the West Coast, they don't have the experience where, like, the neighborhood people can go get a fish dinner, a chicken plate, mm -hmm. and a beer. Right. A butterizer <laughs> right. or something like that. Because right. being a little girl, I'm pretty sure you was a little kid in mm -hmm. time. Did they have you serving people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was out there. Did you look at in the way. <laughs> did you do a little test? Because I know I did. And my grandma slipped me a little shot of beer. I used to sneak it. I was like, this stuff is disgusting. <laughs> like, no. It's like the little white bottle back then. Like, it was like that big old red and white 
basketball yeah. and stuff like that. So your grandparents were a big influence in your life. Big. Now, tell me about your parents. Like I know you spoke highly of mm -hmm. them. Like, was your parents around growing up when you was a kid? Well, very interesting. This might blow you away. My mother actually had me at 13. Oh, wow. Yeah, my mother was pregnant with me at, 13, at 12 years old. So my my grandparents that I'm speaking about is actually my great grandparents. It's my mother's parents' parents who raised me. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. yeah. So my mother's birthday is February 15th, 1970. Mine March 7th, 1983. Yeah. So she had just turned 13 a month before I was born. So your grandparents took you in that house and took you under their yeah. care and stuff like that. Yeah, since I was like eight, nine months old. So they took me and kind of raised me. So me and my mother, we have a great relationship as we older now, but we kind of grew up kind of like brother-sister type situation. Right. Yeah, yeah. My, my father, he passed away in 04. Mm. Yeah. Wow, so the fact that you and your mom was pretty much the same age, mm. like, were you still able to connect with her? Because I know sometimes being <laughs> that age, you know, you're not mature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, like where you, I was still playing with baby dolls, yeah. you know, a lot of us. So how was it when you all actually got to an age where she was adult, you were a child. Did you feel like close to her? Absolutely. I think because it was a unique bond. You mm -hmm. know, it was it was a, a forced bond that we had to have because right. we had me young. You know what I'm saying? So I think we, you know, I had to, I, I had to grow up fast with her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To see things that I, you know what I'm saying? Because she was out there, you know, in the street and doing what she had to do. And growing up in a small town like Greer, you know, it, when it is drugs, there's a lot of it because it's not a lot of people. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's big. So having her in the end of that in the early 80s and 90s and things like that, you know what I'm saying? So she kind of showed me the ropes what not to do by doing it, if that makes sense. Oh, trust me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> One day somebody got to do a story on me because like, it's almost like our childhood was a little bit too, 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 too similar. And yeah. I know a lot of people don't really realize this, especially you born in the 80s. I was mm -hmm. born in the 90s where how big crack and Absolutely. cocaine was to a lot of families. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately. I mean, now they mixing, they mixing their own drugs in the studio, right. all kind of molly. But back then, it really affected a lot of mm -hmm. families and households. So, by what happened to you as a child, not anything bad, you mm -hmm. know, mistakes happen. It kind of showed you on what not to do, right? Well, just being where I was at, and like I said, and you hit it hard, like in the '80s, you know, when crack hit and things like that hit in your communities, you know, what I'm saying it's new. So my mom was young and father was young and they was in it and right. people was in it, you know what I'm saying? So watching it, you kind of get that of, I see what they're going through. I don't want to go through that mm -hmm. type of thing. And I think sports and uh, my my mother's younger brother, you know what I'm saying, which right. is closer to age to me, you know, we, yeah. Yeah, he, he kind of grew up as my brother. Both of us played football. So, you know, he was kind of like a guy with me as well. Mm -hmm. So I watched him and follow him and kind of stayed out the way, you know what I'm saying? Right. But you know, you got to do what you got to do when you're at that age and your, your, your mother doing what she's doing. You know what I'm right. Saying? And everybody has challenges in life. You know, right now you currently are a businessman. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your business because everybody always sees the success. Once you tell us about that, we're going to dive into like some obstacles. Yeah. Because a lot of times <clears throat> people see, wow, you got a nice car. Cause you, sir, you got a nice car. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that wouldn't have BMW, right? Uh, Maserati. Oh! <laughs> all right, Mr. Maserati, yeah, we, yeah, he's yeah. a successful businessman now, yeah. but we all go through challenges in life. So it's not always a pretty rainbow at the end of the right. tunnel. Sometimes we really have to go through a storm <laughs> to get through that rainbow. But tell us about your business first before we get into that. Well, I have two. Um, 
say Anchor is Rugged Past Righteous Future. Uh, it's a nonprofit organization. It's a 501c3. Uh, so it's just like Red Cross or Goodwill or anything. Mm. And what it does is it helps individuals who have been incarcerated once they release, mm -hmm. get services and help that they may need to, you know, survive and make right. it out of here. You know what I'm saying? To have a fair second chance at life. Uh, it comparts of three programs. One is uh, career development and job placement. Mm -hmm. And from career development and job placement, it kind of branches off to, you know, trades that you get. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So it's teaching them to get their CDLs or dispatching, or we help you get your barber license or cosmetology. So that's where you get RPRF Logistics, my trucking company, mm -hmm. come from. So Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, are you able to help them get a mm -hmm. job with you also? Absolutely. So once they go through my program, we send them to see, help them get the CDL. And then I employ them, I hire them, and give them an opportunity to become their own owners and operators. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So you have started that, but it took you a reason why you actually Absolutely. decided to create that foundation also. So, like we said, you are a successful businessman, but what obstacle in your life kind of deterred you from being who you are today? You know, um, like I said, football was my guiding light, kind of, you know what I'm saying? It kind of got me into college and things like that. And, you know, I tell my kids now, sometimes being in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, will, will, will get you in trouble, you know what I'm saying? And nobody want to hear I didn't do it. Because everybody didn't do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So once you there, you in trouble, you know what I'm saying? You you in it now. They take everybody. They taking everybody. And um, in college, I found myself in a, in a situation where I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. Um, things happened with an individual who was underage, mm -hmm. with, um, with a guy, with a partner I know. And, um, you know, South Carolina don't play no games. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And they got a law called the hands of one, hands of all, if you look it up. And um, meaning if you dare to act of a crime, you're going to be involved You just as much. You know what That's saying? crazy as hell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it's, a part, yeah, it's a whole it's a, it's a whole story with the party. And, you know, but. So it was a party situation. Yeah, it was a party situation. And um, um, an underage girl, she was 15. She had alcohol and, you know, made out with one of the guys. I was 21 at the time and I bought the alcohol oh, for Lord. the party. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. that it kind of all trickles, you know. Oh, Lord. And um, he's not knowing the age of her, and you know what I'm saying? This is big thing that happened, and we all kind of get charged. And, and from there, you know, it's, it was kind of a downhill fall, you know what I'm now, saying? But what was the charge system. that you all actually got charged with? Well, different charges for different individuals. And how many people? Well, it was five. Five. Yeah, five, but for me individually, me speaking on me, and, my, and what I had uh, was lewd, it was called Lou Act. Mm -hmm. It was a nonviolent charge, and um, like I was saying to you before, everything is not even a charge anymore now. Right. But uh, so the charge does not exist, okay? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was. It was called a little that, and um, yeah, it got dismissed. It got dismissed. You know what I'm right. saying? So, but that's what I was charged with, and um, I got sentenced to ten years, suspended to eighteen months, five years probation. I had to uh, register for the rest of my life. You say register because I, I know people gonna be watching. Mm -hmm. Register as a sex offender, mm -hmm. based off the fact that you was at the party, mm -hmm. you bought the alcohol, but your friend at the time, because mm -hmm. we're not no longer friends, is he still a friend? Yeah, he's still a friend. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, he's my homie. We okay. Well, your friend now, you know, it's an underage girl, because let's get this understanding. A lot of us as girls, we were we lie about our age. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now we, I don't know why we would do that, but unfortunately, you see situations like this, it costs people their lives, because a lot of times. 
even these girls in these situations, they say, okay, nothing happened, nothing happened, he didn't yeah. harm me. They don't want to hear that, especially not here in the South. Well, I'll tell you, what, the unique, unique situation where ours, ours was, she, uh, once it happened, she mm -hmm. kind of came to court and, and said, hey, this is, right. you know, I, I did what I did, I lied, whatever. So, you know, with her, but at that time, adults is not trying to hear that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The system is not trying to hear that. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And, you know, and they look at us and you got to be more responsible with, you know what I'm saying? Right. Check, we ain't checking IDs. We ain't right. buying, you know, we partying. We in college, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That's how it was. And, but not to make no excuses. And, um, you know, we, we, we had to do, deal with what we had to deal with. Right. Now, that has been the mess. Tell everybody about how that even happened where a judge was able to look at your case and just, you know, wipe it clean. That's so, the biggest blessing. 15 years of me fighting this, you know, trying to get back in front of someone, trying to get back in front of a judge or someone to hear my situation, you know, you always going to get that, well, you know, you didn't did the time now. Right. You know, you didn't did it. It is what it is. You know, go on. But uh, I always tell everybody the truth will always outrun a lie. Come on. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I just stayed steadfast on my truth and, and, and just continue to grind and, and do what I had to do to take care of myself and my family and whatever I need to do doing the process of, uh, process of getting my name cleared. And wow. um, I moved to Georgia. I got a job down here being a finance manager. Oh, yeah, and uh, from my struggles of <laughs> trying to get jobs, from having a background and things like that, yeah. And um, I just built my way up and I got down here and um, I was doing some research and I found a lawyer and I just, just True story, I called him, mm -hmm. he's down here in Lawrenceville, and I told him my story, and I told him what happened. I was like, I don't know if you can do anything, right. but if you can, can you have someone look at this, or you know, right. whatever, and he was like, you know, I get back to you. And he called me back the next day, and he was like, you know, let's see what we can do. And mm -hmm. I told him the story again, he wanted to hear it again to make sure everything was everything. Mm -hmm. He did his research, he started doing his thing and digging, and you know, uh, I would say, Four or five months from me talking to him, he had me on a Zoom call back in court in front of Judge Hutchinson. Yeah. Well, I was actually thinking about, like, how long did that take? But sometimes you hear, like, it takes years for people to get their cases heard. But for mm -hmm. you, you actually took it upon yourself to, did you pay You pay the lawyer? Yeah, did yeah. you free ball? Oh, okay. no, I paid him. <laughs> yeah, you paid him, they going to work a lot harder when you yeah. get that cash. <laughs> but, yeah, I, had to, I had to pay him. I had yes. to pay him money. But what they did was they had to um, talk to the prosecutors here because it was from out of state. It was mm -hmm. in the state of South Carolina. So they had to reach back out to the prosecutors in South Carolina who did the case. Wow. Um, they had to reach back out to the victim and, and, and talk and say, hey, what part did he play in this? Right. And now everyone adults and really can speak for themselves. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now that kind of everything, the story changes when mm -hmm. you're adults and you can talk for yourself and right. your mother and things like that is not stop talking for you. So that's what happened, man. And they said, hey, listen, you know, they got back to me and the judge and my lawyer and Thank God, here yes. we are, you know. Now, throughout your journey, you know, talking to you, you're a good guy, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You were just at the wrong place at mm -hmm. the wrong time. Was it hard for you, like, transitioning through life, not just with work, but just making relationships, friendships, when people find out, hey, because sometimes people mm -hmm. don't want to hear your story. That's the reason why this segment is called What's Your Story? Mm -hmm. Allowing people to tell their own story. Absolutely, because it's a social stigma. Like I say, people is lazy. So mm -hmm. they rather just look at things from the surface and not scratch it, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, and not look deep, deep and die. And, and I, I get it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have been victim of that as well. But I, going through life, I kind of knew who I was, and the people right. who knew me knew who I was. So mm -hmm. it was easy to to move and shape because they, I knew what I stood on. And they knew what I stood right. on. They knew what time it was with me. And you no, know, I'm not that type of person. Though. 
anyone that would hurt anybody, anything. And but getting jobs was very difficult because you got this record, right? You know, and um, that's why Record Pass, Righteous Future, coming uh, came to play because I went through the experiences of being qualified from being in college, being a college mm -hmm. student to doing an interview, knowing what I need to do to getting the acceptance letter to oh come back, your background came back, we can't hire you. Mm. You know, so what changed between you know? I can imagine that constant letdown because you know it's like you know, like it's there, but mm -hmm. you're hoping that somebody looks at your qualifications and maybe like ask you like, hey, what happened? Do employers ask you do that? Be like, hey, can you tell me a little bit about this? Or they just like absolutely not. Uh, most, especially if you're trying to get, it depends on the level of employment you're trying to get. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? And at my time, I. I'm always betting on myself and shooting for the stores. And I knew what I was qualified for in my qualifications. So I was always trying to get big jobs. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they gave me the opportunity to tell my story, then right. it worked. If they didn't, you know, but I had a, a whole lot of no's before yeses. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you didn't give up because a lot of people probably would have gave up and they probably would have turned to, especially right now, I'm really big on mental health where mm -hmm. a lot of people turn to substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, right. you know, they just give up on life. They're like, you know what? Nobody believed me, but you didn't give up. You kept going. You can't give up. Now, Ashley, you're working with you're working with men and women with your foundation. Men and women. Yes. That's amazing because mm -hmm. I feel like people be forgetting about the women. Oh no, you men know. and women. I actually have a program called Convicted Parents as well. Mm. And what Convicted Parents is for men and women who have been incarcerated, been separated from their parents, from their kids, mm -hmm. to kind of build that relationship back now that they're home wow. and like a mutual setting. You know what I'm saying? To where they can, you know. Just they've been separated. They've yeah. been incarcerated. Now they can get back together, especially with mothers. You know what I'm saying? It's very hard for mothers being separated. Yeah, I, I kind of went through that with my mom. It's yeah. always a little, it's awkward when they've been in jail yeah. for a few years. And you done grew up and you're like, ah. So funny story about me. Well, not funny, but about how I came up. Mm -hmm. I was, when I was in prison, mm -hmm. my mom was too. Wow. Yeah, yeah true story. Dang. So I, I was in Allendale Correctional Institution. She was in a prison called Graham in South Carolina. Were you all still able to connect? I know sometimes you can write letters. Well, not really, but we kind of, you know, we could yeah. talk, but we couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. ways. Yeah. It's ways. Mm -hmm. Now, with your foundation, like, you're telling your story. Like, what story touched you the most with the people that you're meeting? Oh, um. Like, which one in particular? I have a few, man. I have a gentleman that, uh, my first one on my uh, Instagram, Breaking Past Righteous Future, mm -hmm. he he got released and um, he did 13 years, five, mm -hmm. uh, 13 years, five months. Um, he's home right now. He's down in, in in Atlanta. He's working in the kitchen, you know, cooking and right. getting his life back together. But, you know, I partnered up with the Department of Corrections. My my, uh, my organization is with department. So, really? yeah, they send them straight to me and I can get a list. I get a list every month. Oh, that's there. a blessing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. So you're helping a lot of people. So are they particular about the type of people that they send to you? No, I, I get You take that. everybody. It's at my discretion, yes. I take everyone. That's amazing. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, even if somebody did like a particular crime like 20 years ago, like they can be a changed person in there. Because in jail, right, they have like churches and like they get spiritual guidance and therapy mm -hmm. and stuff. So people can change. But you're not turning your back on people the way people turn their back on you based off a of charge. Well, I think the reason why people... Right, the recidivism rate, why they return back to prison is because no one won't give them a chance. No, mm -hmm. Nobody will give them a chance, you know. So I, I wanted to open my doors to say, hey, you know what? You can come. I can relate. I know mm -hmm. everything that you done been through. And uh, let's figure this out together. Mm, you know how you hear, like, on TV, where I, I think it was with Tyler Perry, when Medea kept going. 
kept going back to the judge, yeah. just like I'm tired of seeing you. Because they're failing, so when they get out, nobody's hiring them. So what are they supposed to do? Absolutely. They got to survive. You got kids. You got food. Like, what are you supposed to do? I don't even think they give you, like, public assistance if you have particular families, right? You, they don't. So that's the so it's like, see damn. What I'm you see what I'm saying? So that's how the system is designed. Mm -hmm. So you have to have these programs like mine, but it's hard to have these programs because, again, sometimes the system don't want to help these programs. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they don't want to help with funding, but you got to do what you got to do on your own end they help these guys out because all they're looking for is opportunity. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? They're just looking for somebody to give them an opportunity to work and get back out there and show that, you know, they made a mistake. And some of these people that's got the opportunities to give them just haven't got caught. Yeah. That's you know true. what I'm saying? So it's always two ends to the story. But for me, I, I focus on helping these guys and women and, and, and figuring this whole thing out together. Now, you are a working man. I'm pretty sure you, you work in a danger. <laughs> Always working, right? But how do you balance work life and personal life? It's with understanding. Mm -hmm. I, I think you got to understand that being an entrepreneur, there's very small balance. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? It's very small balance. And you have to understand that you got to put people in your life and in your corners that understand that. Like right. doing this process, especially at the beginning stage of being an entrepreneur and being a starting your business when it's a lot of grind and process, right. you uh, you know, you just gotta focus and be selfish at that time, you know? Mm -hmm. You gotta be selfish. That's the key words. I don't think a lot of people really get that, because everybody wants, it's hard to help others when you're trying to grind yourself. Yeah. I think the goal is to be successful so you can help people, but sometimes when people see you hustling, they're like, they're too busy to want you to carry them up there instead of them hustling too. Right, so right. that way you can meet each other at the top. I trust me, I get everybody like, oh, show me how to do this. I'm like, nobody show me. Like, I'm trying to get to a place where I can help other people. And this is the beginning process of building a business is the most craziest part. You know what I'm saying? Because you get hit from all kind of different angles and you just got to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, so that balance you really don't have that balance because, you know, I can be asleep and one of my trucks might break down. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I got to deal with that. One of my, hell, I'm dealing with a driver that just quit. You know? Yeah, you got to deal with that and find another driver. Get your trucks moved. And, you know, and then with the nonprofit, you, all these people come to you with issues right. and things, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. that you got to you deal with. So having a balance with my personal life, I, I say that, you know, my loved ones understand that, hey, this is what he's doing now mm -hmm. so we can be okay later. Now, it seems like you can do a lot. Now, how do you handle with your mental health? Like you said, you go through things. Everybody else go through things. And people want to dump their problems on you. And it's like, <laughs> do you sometimes be like, okay, whew, I, I need a moment? Well, you know, I get to myself. I'm a, I'm a very, very private person. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I, I kind of get to myself and, and think things out. Uh, you know, drive. I love to drive and ride. You, know you like saying? to drive. I love to drive. That's a blessing. You know what drive. Well, let, let me let, let me go back. Let me say, I love to drive by myself. Okay. Just riding, but yeah. just driving on trips, nah. But just riding, thinking, and you know what I'm saying, getting my mind together. I think that's good. But yeah, man, we all got our, our ways of coping, and, and mental and mental health is right. very, very important. Mm -hmm. and, and being in prison, you know what I'm saying, too. You know, that's a, a type of PTSD that people don't even talk about. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you got to deal with that and then coming home to the real world and then, you know what I'm saying, dealing with these responsibilities. Right. Because yeah, you hear those stories, too. Of course, we have to thank God for social media now. I think it was a clip we heard where the guys were screaming for help because they didn't have any air conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, people was recording outside. Like, some prisons have good conditions and most of them don't have good conditions. Mm -hmm. 
Leave no air conditioning, bugs, smell. Because punishment. So they mm -hmm. want to be punishment. Correction officer, they the true enemies. Don't even get me started on that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's a whole that's a whole nother episode. Right, right. Now you went through all that, you've mm -hmm. accomplished your goals. Like what's next for you? What do you see for yourself like in the next five to ten years that you want to do? Building. Um building the brand of Ranking Past Righteous Future, building RPRF. Um I wanna do uh wanna do a thrift store. Oh, that's you cool. know, you know, I get a lot of donations, and if people want to donate, you can donate to Reggae Pass Race yeah. Future. But I get a lot of donations and clothes for these men and women, you know, what I'm saying? especially for them to go do interviews and dresses oh my and gosh. things like yeah. that. So, just like Goodwill, how they do it with mm -hmm. see, people don't understand Goodwill is a charity, it's a donation center, you know what I'm saying? They just sell the clothes, of, you know what I'm saying? Right. Front. So, I want to do something similar like that for my organization to wear, you know, just build a little thrift store for these guys to be able to come and get clothes and things that are nice things at a good reasonable right. price. Yeah. At a good reasonable price. So Goodwill is like, they, they really tripping with these prices. Yeah, they started yeah. So I'm so happy to talk to you also as well. Mm -hmm. So for people who are watching and like, man, you know, I'm here, I got something going on legally, I can't find a job, but they live in the Atlanta area. Like, how can they reach you? What's the whole process? Well, you can go to the website. It's www.ruggedpastrighteousfuture.com uh, you can go to my Instagram, which is ruggedpastrighteousfuture.com, or RPRF CEO. That's my Instagram. And how did you come up with that name? Um, I think I had just got released from prison. And um, I was at home, and I was just, you know, wanting to help somebody. I remember right. I was just wanting to do something, and I was just frustrated. And I was just thinking about, you know, my past and, you know, my future. And it kind of mm -hmm. just... Came. It hit you. It hit Sometimes you. things hit it, you. It comes, man. And you're like, hey, how did this came? But yeah. you know, I'm really big on like life paths. Like we all have like life paths mm -hmm. in life. And sometimes things that come, it don't make any sense, especially when you're growing up. And then you get to a point in your life like, oh my gosh, all this stuff makes sense. Because it, it was meant to yeah. be. Yes. Yeah. But thank you so much for thank coming you. and meeting with me and talking with me. Yeah. And this is with your story. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. How was that? Cool. It was